podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie of any given year is. This is, of course, 2001, and I am your intrepid host. Many are my names in many countries. Mikeyus among the elves, thronk to the dwarves. Michael, Michael, motorcycle, I was in my youth in the west that is forgotten. In the south, I canis. In the north, Mike, to the east, I go not. Accompanying <laughs> me are my brave compatriots, elf friend Greg. Hello. Hello. I, how are you? You chose elf for me? That's elf fine. friend. Oh, Your friend okay. of the elves. Friend of elves. Yeah, I you are uh, not nearly lithe or quiet enough to be. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm like kind of a stout, hairy man. I think there's a pretty, a pretty obvious choice. I'm Gandalf. Gandalf the Greg. No, Gandalf the Greg. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Allowable. <laughs> and lest we not forget, my gardener, steadfast companion, and servant, Ryan. Uh, hi. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you both for being here today. Uh, as you know, and now our listeners know, it's 2001, and we're kicking off a journey with the journey kicking off in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. 2001, a movie odyssey, if you will. Whoa. You won't. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like you guys will. No, I'm not going to. I will. I personally will not. That does get you a point, Ryan, and I will let everybody know. They will not hear the points. The points are quiet auction today Silent because of technological scoring. difficulties. Uh, but everybody should know to go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filter to hear all kinds of bonus tent and get kinds of things, including why Ryan is starting off. It was with five points, now six. Greg is starting off with six points, and me, the host, three points. <laughs> pretty pretty good Patreon segment for a host. It feels so good to get a point. It's been so long, and I can feel it going through my veins. That's right, you because you hosted the last season. You've, you've, you've been pointless. I did, and we should probably talk about that the board was all like, uh, way too good of a job there, Ryan, and uh, we do not want to break podcasting by you continuing, so we'll give it to Mike. Right. But you got tons too of good, points, Ryan. You, you were the highest scoring host of all time, if I remember But correctly. I gave them to myself, and that's a little different. <laughs> Thumb was on the scale the whole time. Uh, before we really dig into the nitty and the gritty of Fellowship of the Ring, I, I do want to ask you both what your general relationship with is. I am a, a book reader, but I only honestly Nerd. read the book when I knew the movies were coming out. Because I'm that kind of guy. Like I, I enjoy books, but if you tell me there's a movie that's going to come out based on it, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Oh, if it's yeah. good enough, I want to be, be angry movie, in the theater. <laughs> and uh, then I loved the movie. And for like, I would say about ten years ago, I got super duper into Lord of the Rings, the books and the movies, and then super duper over it for like the last <laughs> ten years. Ryan, I would say that um, I. I did not. I've never read the book. Uh, before the movies came out, I only know people who had said that they read the book to be pretty much awful people. Um, I would when the movie came out. It was you guys can attest that it was definitely not my jam. Over the last twenty years, mostly because of you guys and your um, your influence and your berating, have I become <laughs> more into this sort of genre in a various like in various ways, but. Yeah, it just, it was like, it was a major thing in pop culture that was just not on my radar at all. And when I went to see the movie, it was just, it was more, uh, this is going to be a big cultural thing and not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm excited that this book that I love is finally turned into a movie. You didn't want to miss out on the conversation. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it was in that way. It was a lot like Harry Potter or just mm-hmm. stuff that I wasn't into. But yeah, I, d- I didn't want to miss out. Yeah. Yeah. This 2001, I do think fantasy started to be less beat upable. Right. Uh, because of Fellowship and then Harry Potter. And then later, Game of Thrones. For years, I said D&D is the one thing you can still get thrown in a trash can for liking. And that's gone. I There's think that's over too. Yeah. Famous popular D&Ders. And that, that's... That's cool. Since then, uh, since 2001, I have played D&D with both of you two, and uh, neither one of you threw me into a trash can. And I got to go through all of the Game of Thrones stuff of like, hey, I like this, even though it's for nerds. And then ultimately, uh, this is stupid and I hate it. You know, like the same <laughs> arc as everybody else went on. <laughs> the same arc Which we go the- on for like all of these properties, right? Mm-hmm. First you love the mark it. mark of a true nerd. Yeah, then, then slowly hate it. And you would have missed out on so much had you not seen this movie because it is it's an oft referenced movie, and then the follow ups were as well. So you did have to see it to be part of the cultural conversation. I mean, it's it's crazy to me that like I just I thought of fantasy as this whole you know there's a ton of authors and a ton of influences and a ton of types of characters, but the deeper I go into this world, uh, it's not just like. In superheroes, Superman was the first, but then now we have Spider-Man and Batman and Hulk. It's it's sort of still like the milestone. We all return to this king. We all just say like whatever Tolkien designed is still what we do, and then we'll tweak it a little bit. Yeah, he was yeah. like a, a great focal point for a lot of Norse mythology and a lot of like Norse and German and Anglo-Saxon like mythological ideas and the way in which he reinterpreted them became like our understanding of a a lot of them. And so, yeah, he like just by reinterpreting what trolls were, he made trolls for like a long time. And same thing with elves, because there are a lot of different elvic traditions, but his is the one that I think most people would stick closest to how most people now conceive of elves. Very beautiful. When I'm thinking about it, I think those motherfuckers are tiny and they're making toys. Yeah, and they're right? doing it all year for that one special day. The Santanic tradition of elves. Yes, the <laughs> Carlos Santanic. <laughs> so smooth. all his toys smooth. <laughs> you know, I'm sanding these down. Yeah, I think, and it's the the next person down after Tolkien uh, for fantasy influence is maybe it's C.S. Lewis, but he it was even more obvious that people are like, oh, you're referencing this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like creation; it was like. Mix and match. But like other things that were huge when they came out, like I, I think people try to say, fuck Tolkien, I'm going to do my own fantasy. Like, uh, is it Feist, Raymond Feist, Robert Feist did the Magician trilogy in the 70s. And it was clear, like, I want big epic fantasy that's not Tolkien. And people went, no, we're not going to pay attention <laughs> to that. You're not creating anything, my friend. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it feels like it just imagine a world where like all stuff in this genre, all stuff in superhero genre is Marvel. And if you want to work in superheroes, then you just have to do Marvel characters or renditions of Marvel characters. Right. I mean, like I look at, I like, I get how the way that I look at it is like CS Lewis or JK Rowling, the name that should not be mentioned. Uh, <laughs> like they work in fantasy, but to me at this point, when you're talking like fantasy, like capital F fantasy, it's all Tolkien or Tolkien esque. You know, it's, right. it's it's the races and the, the 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 pacing and the just how it all works. It's like he just designed or redesigned a genre forever. And really, it's 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 genius because it was just a lot of reinterpretation of of existing mm. things. I think what he did that set a tone that few have been able to match though is he didn't want to tell a story about one era of people and then not have 
their the, like the generation that came before them and the generation that came before them and the generation that came before them so to write this one what he would call romance he made up like a whole like uh world that was built from the ground up over so mm-hmm. long and you feel that sort of like rich backstory and that changed the way i think we viewed fantasy we didn't want it to just be so surface Anymore. I mean, just right. like maps and books. Like, there's a whole type of person, t- a whole type of reader or fan that's like, if I'm going to read a book, I need some maps in that Dude, book. I want yeah. some maps. Yeah. I got to know oh. where they are. And it, yeah, not it's not just the races. It's any if you dive into any other fantasy series, you're not going to just be like, here's Joe. Joe might have magic powers. Let's follow Joe. It's like, here's what you need to know about the valley Joe was born in a hundred <laughs> years ago first. <laughs> yeah. And, and you feel that in with Star movie. Wars. With Star Wars, it's like, uh, here's your main characters, and then uh, their parents are important and their kids are important, right? And maybe yeah. there's grandparents or grandkids that are important. But it's really, it really is focused on that generation. The, in the start of this movie, Kate Blanchett's like, this shit happened. Then 2,500 yeah. years went by, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> 20, like, that's how long the Earth has been around, guys. That is so long. <laughs> w- w- given that, given that amount of pressure and everything Tolkien and the books did, uh, Overall, does the movie have that same level of uh, gravitas and oomph and uh, what's the word? Inspiration ability. I think Based it, on that one question, no. I don't <laughs> I like, think it, it does. One thing that I think it really pulls off extremely effectively is you feel like as they're passing through this world, you are as interested to see the world that is has come before them as you are to see the world that they're in right now. Like everywhere they go. They're like, oh, yeah, this is the ruins of that one huge watchtower. Oh, yeah, this is like clearly the ruins of like a big ancient city that is now just a forest. And there's like some statues. But like, I don't I don't feel that when I'm watching. I like I, I can see that they're in a boat on a real river with, you know, the CGI giant statues with that have giant feet and sandals like the guy could not find oh i knew there's so many times where i was just like ryan's gonna hate this i couldn't find enough rock to put shoes on that fucking feet uh but um i ultimately i don't look at it as a a monumental movie like a influential movie like i do like i've heard the books are and i know the books are you know what this means to me is like sort of the reverse it's like the books were influential and changed everything and now we're gonna make movies that do not so everyone can enjoy the book, you know, like I, right. it, it doesn't seem like the book can really be enjoyed by everyone. But Peter Jackson, his goal was not to change how movies work, like how Tolkien changed the genre. It's instead saying, I love this. I want everyone to love this. And so what I'm going to that's my job is to take right. it and make it so everyone can love it, which is admirable and awesome. And I think he did it. But not like I'm just saying based on the way that you asked the question, Mike, no, not it's sure. not it can't do the thing that the book did. Well, let's dig hardcore into it after this break. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show. 
a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That superhero show show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! 47 years after its original publication inspired nerds to do silly voices while rolling D20s, dozens of Led Zeppelin atoms, thousands of books, and a couple of weird-ass cartoons, a splatter horror cult director from New Zealand was given the chance to direct all three Lord of the Rings films. Peter Jackson directed the trilogy back-to-back entirely in New Zealand with minimal studio oversight, doing pretty much whatever he wanted and inventing special effects along the way. Fellowship of the Ring was said to have felt like the biggest indie set movie set ever made. Praised by critics and fans alike, Fellowship was considered to be a landmark in filmmaking and an achievement in fantasy, making even normies appreciate this dorky-haired kid and his special ring. It grossed $887.8 million worldwide, making it the second-highest-grossed film of 2001 and the fifth-highest-grossing film of all time upon its release. Taste buds, I ask you this. Hobbits are innocent and lazy. Goblins and orcs are evil beyond reproach. Dwarves hate elves and love battle. Elves are better than pretty much everybody. But men are the best just because. How comfortable are we with the way races are portrayed in this world where all races are very much one particular way, divided into good and evil designations into black and white terms? I really tried to go into this movie like I needed to get an escape, right? Like this is not our real world. Um, and so I didn't want to go into watching this movie with my arms crossed and being like, all right, the second you fucking offend me movie, I'm going to get offended. (laughs) But there are some awkward conversations, Greg. You don't think so? Oh yeah. The whole thing is fucking super uncomfortable. No, I think it's, it's awfully uncomfortable. Um, the whole idea that like races are like one thing or another, including some that are naturally good and some that are naturally bad, the way that within the world of the, of the story, there is just a ranking of who is the most good and who is is the most bad and like like the ranger is, strider is not just a human he's a numenorian and so he's like a better type of human that is being like sort of bred out of existence because there's fewer of them and they are just like interbreeding with humans uh there's the idea of like orcs and goblins being interbred to form like an even more devastating evil terrible warrior Less- Less white, less man warrior. Yeah. It's the a- Yurikai. I had a question about that because they, they use goblins and orcs. And so I can definitely tell the Yurikai are different than everybody else. But it just felt like they used goblin and orc interchangeably, which the rest of fantasy does not. They are distinctly different physically. But these, it, it does not seem to be that crazy different. And like, I don't know. It, I don't know if the movie was super clear on this. Do they take all of those seeds and then they plant it in their evil caves and then... It, like the guy bubbles out as a full-grown human and just and he's bred to just hate the white man. Well, he's not human. Yeah, I mean that is what happens. Like, yeah, they're birthing them as full-grown, developed out of the dirt. Yeah, right? like yeah. out of the earth and then, itself. And there's no raising. There's no like. There's no children. There's no like youth. They just come out and they're like, "All right, yo, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to kill?" Yeah, that's that new double evil. Yurikai that Saruman that been hearing about. these names are so fucking similar that Saruman like perverted himself to be able to be like this god who created this new race that had never been around right so it's like people who are super into like corgi poos yes. but if corgi poos were bred to kill the white man but they were like and they also because like as as um, Saruman mentions orcs themselves are like fallen elves elves yeah. so they used to be as good as elves but were like mishandled and tortured 
and manipulated until they had fallen and were now like just naturally Ugly. evil. And I'm sorry, the elves. So there's two elf lands, right? There's uh, Neo's arch enemy, and then there is my arch enemy, Kate Blanchett, uh-huh. and they both have two separate elf yep. homes: brunette yeah. elves and blonde elves. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Because why not? Yeah, let's just have as much separation as we possibly can. Uh, the Hugo Weaving, the brunette elf, is he's saying that uh, we're gonna be gone soon. You're, what are you gonna do? You're gonna trust the dwarves to be on your team because we're gonna be gone. Is this just so? Is this just white flight basically? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's white flight. The elves and dwarves hate each other, but everybody sort of agrees, even if they grumble, that men is the best because they have the most flexibility. Like. Every race is either one way or the other, but men are like, we can do whatever we want and live way shorter. So they're like, yeah, you're the great. So it does seem like men are the whitest of the white in the movie terminology. And I mean, I think it's, it's, I, I think that you fall into the trap if you, if you're constantly trying to see like what the, what each thing actually equates to. Right. I think that the, the, what is so corrosive about the thinking doesn't have to like match up to like any real world race or anything. It's just what's so corrosive about the thinking is the idea that like, what do you like, where in your evidence have you seen like subhuman human like creatures? Like where, where are you getting that idea from? That's the Mm -hmm. idea that we have to eradicate that, that like any of them would be anything other than just a multidimensional people. Right, because the thing that I, even though I said that I did not go into this movie looking for this, obviously I always am. And of course, 2020 is such a year where it made Lovecraft a fucking superstar again. And we've talked a lot about Lovecraft's feelings on different races. So yeah, I guess, Greg, I was looking for that like one-to-one thing of like, oh, he thinks they're this and they're this. But it's not that. It's not like, it's just that uh, if you are a race, no matter what, but if you are a race, then you only have these tendencies, and we should just accept it as science. Like, why, why try to fight it? Like, but, they're so just going to lead into it. Uh, to, to defend it, because there is that at the start, but I think, so there's the obviously evil races, but the other kind of way to be races is like, they know not what they do. Those little <laughs> tiny childlike uh, hobbits, but... Frodo the most, but really all three of the hobbits or all four of the hobbits in the fellowship are all growing and doing unhobbit like stuff the entire movie. So it does feel like it's way quieter because nobody points it out the way they point out how different our races are. But it repudiates. It feels like it repudiates that it's like, actually, no, if you just let people be people, whatever race they are, they will surprise you and just meet the moment. So it'd be great to have like a goblin who's like, can I join you guys? (laughs) Yeah, we should have had that. Uh, that's how you guys let me on this show. The, <laughs> the Hobbit one is weird because I think it's like sort of like the least offensive, but it does remind me of this t- time where other movies were made, like the thirties, the twenties and thirties, where the way that people talk about Hobbits reminds me of something else. Of yeah. just like these lazy party having children, basically. Th- Dancing and jiving, uh, yeah, children that like just again, Mike, like you said, they just don't know better. We would love for them to be smart, but I they just don't know. Gandalf any better. says about the hobbits that like you could learn everything there is to know about them in an afternoon. <laughs> like that's really rude. Like there's no way. There's, <laughs> rude. There's, yeah, because there's no way there's any group of people that you could learn everything about right away unless you're Gandalf and you kind of view them as like your little babies. They're like this little mm. pretend. Right. You know, but doesn't. Even he who knows everything, isn't it about him learning like, oh shit, 
I thought I could learn everything in an afternoon and still the next the following of that quote is and still be surprised. Like yeah. Yes, I know. And so like him saying that was like, okay, so Gandalf, you're cool. Until the way that he talks to Pip and or Mary when he drops the bucket down the well, that's some fucking he like some racism shoots right. out of Gandalf's mouth right there. Or Sam and when he bumps his head out of the window. Honestly, I understand that's racism. That. He, yeah, yeah, he really well, does feel like. Well, Frodo's one of the good ones. Yeah. He can change, well, but Frodo's you three are, will always be. We hobbits. can't forget that Frodo and Bilbo are are they're lords. They're like basically rich people. You know, I mean, they like. Oh, interesting. You know, and Sam is like a working class person, and Merritt, the the other two are like working class people as well. He's like the richest person that lives in his town. Is that why uh, they all do learn how to fight, and they're kind of courageous? And he is uh, the weakest of little simp's throughout the whole <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> He's a little lordling. Uh, and well, because his whole thing is like, don't get mixed up in the fight, so you can like, you can have the ring. So he's just always like <laughs> moving from place to place, trying not to get too involved. But that's why like all the relatives come to uh, his birthday party. They're all trying to get his stuff because he has like that house. It, it, there's a t- there's like a, a ton of money in that house itself. You know, it's good property and everything. So you can't forget that it's a story of like a little rich boy, really. Yeah, I don't think the movie really lets you in on that. I kind of assumed all their hovels looked like his. But doesn't it seem yeah, like... Yeah, I thought that uh, Frodo and Pip and Mary were all on the same level. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like Sam is his servant, though? Oh, Sam, for sure. Sam seems different. than The other but, two seem like his buds he grew up with, and Sam is his... Well, Sam is the ultimate simp, and it's not because of classism. It's just that he's in love, you know? Right. Like, And I know that's a tired no, thing, they're but... No, they're straight. Like, I think it's pretty clear. Right away, the first conversation you hear them having is about how they like girls, and they want to kill Rosalie them. Or Rowling, whatever. Yeah. But, I, I I like I didn't want to bring this up. I like I didn't want to or I didn't think that it would be as obvious when I rewatched it, but like goddamn, that's just there. Like Sam is if Sam's not in love with Frodo, he's in love with He's definitely the idea of I mean of a greater cause. And like he's so dedicated to that. Like at one point towards the end he just commits suicide. Like, oh, if you're going to leave me, I'm just going to fucking yeah, drown I'll myself. Fucking drown right now. I won't even try to dr- swim. That's based on like uh the the relationship that English officers in like the mm-hmm. English army around World War 1 and World War 2 would have. They would have like uh they would be an officer and so they'd have like a a a not an un, what is it non-ranked Non-enlisted unlisted, officer, yeah, or, or enlisted officer. That would be officer. like their that would be their like servant, but it was often described a lot more like by T. E. Lawrence from Lawrence in Arabia as a lot more like a, a husband and wife situation. Like this would be your Smithers-y. boyfriend that like he also kept your boots clean and you smooched him better. <laughs> yeah, very knight and squire. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> Do you guys think the race comes into play with like there's a definite moral certitude <clears throat> throughout the movie? And do you think that makes it an enduring story? Or like in 2020 eyes, does it come off dusty and old? Because it's so moralistic, because it is a struggle mm-hmm. of good versus evil. I mean, it, it it's refreshing. Like, Ryan, you said um, you wanted like to, like a, an escape. And in being a, a fight against of unmitigated good versus unmitigated evil, I do think is refreshing because it the times are a lot grayer at the moment Mm -hmm. for i I think anyway gandalf style yeah and when like really the only (laughs) the only like story thing that happens like the only plot point right is when gandalf is stabbed in the back by his best friend and the way that like the only like telenovela-esque part of this movie is when that happens and the way that that works is saruman just straight up saying um i was good and now i'm evil you know there's not like (laughs) 
there's not even that like that classic Facebooky. I don't know if you look at these memes, maybe they have a good idea. Like maybe we should do this. It's just like I was good at. I I don't know if Saruman's evil or if he wants to win. But yes, uh, both because he says Sauron will win. I don't want to lose. Therefore. I will do whatever he asks. Also, he's and clearly he, like Star Scream or Destro style. Like he's gonna like I'm on the He wants to be the real I'm on, lord. Yeah, because he's trying to conspire to get the ring himself. He's thinking right. Can anybody guess when Greg was born? <laughs> <laughs> I think to the day. <laughs> but you know, I mean so uh it it's it's hard to know what he is ever doing because he's ultimately just playing for himself you know he is a very powerful wizard and they are always running the danger of sort of like suddenly just trying to grab the the controls you know which we have the reverse of later when kate blanchett's like oh i passed the test i fucking lost my mind but only for 30 seconds i turned into a cartoon from the early 90s for a second we lost all time on money and good cgi throughout the rest of the movie so we had to do this garbage We saw the budget go down to zero throughout the movie, and then we saw that. What did that make it laughably stupid, or yep. actually way scarier? I have to say, I have to say the, the movie is walking the razor's edge of losing it in terms of like it's being so sincere and it's often pulling it off. That is a moment where it definitely loses it, and you're like, no, this is actually dumb. But I think ultimately that weds you more closely to the movie because you have accepted so much gibberish and, uh, up to this point <laughs> that when you finally are like, no, this is too much. I think this is stupid. I feel like I'm watching somebody else play D&D. I swear, it's uh, in that moment when you're like, no, this movie is being dumb. You're like, eh, I kind of like it. I like that yeah. it's dumb. And also, like, I've already committed two and a half hours yeah, at this point, so fuck it. Can't turn uh, it the off re- now. Better love the other, it. The reason that it's dumb ultimately is because an hour before that we have these what i will declare this is not a moody but it should be like moment of the year um we have already seen what bilbo does when he sees the ring right and the face that he gets and that is uh that was burned into my mind more than any part of this entire trilogy uh galadriel doesn't does not have the effect of what bilbo like large style right Yes, large barge heroin addict. Yeah. Just freaks out for one second and then he's so sorry. But Frodo (laughs) is never gonna forget that. No, I mean that's the face Frodo will see every time he falls asleep and or comes from now on. (laughs) I guess I'm Frodo then. Call me Frodo. (laughs) I always do. Uh, we have to take a break, and when we come back, something a little different. Mount Rushmore! That song does, of course, mean it is time for Mounted Rushmore. In the real world, poor presence, nobody gives a shit or remembers for any reason, but we've decided to turn it into something <laughs> cool and magical. And so Mike, this I is- gotta say right now, you sound like a shining beacon of hope and like excitement, but this is the worst part about the job. Every week for like it feels like the rest of your life, you have to describe that Mount Rushmore has presidents on it, and you I get love so it. fucking it was- sick of it, dude. You don't want to <laughs> was- do it anymore. It was one of my favorite parts of being the host because I never had oh, any idea what I was going to say about Mount Rushmore, and it was often interesting to find out. <laughs> Who knew that's what I thought about it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, a Mount Rushmore dedicated to 2001. Today, specifically, television. What are the force most iconic television characters and or TV shows of 2001? I got through it. And we will start with Greg. I love it. Okay. Starting with me. Let's see. You want that Slammy D? You want that Slammy D so bad because it's going to be you. Okay. Um, 
there are a lot of good episodes of this show, and this was not the season it came out. In fact, I believe it was the fifth season. But I would like to submit for Mount Rushmore one Bobby Hill, who in this fifth season declared, I don't know you, that's my purse, and began to kick everybody in the nuts. He takes a woman's <laughs> self-defense class, and he becomes, yeah. he becomes a bully. But uh, because he was taught this woman's self-defense class before he, like, bullies somebody and kicks them in the nards, uh, he screams out, I don't know you or that's my purse. I do have uh, I do have to take exception to this particular episode because this episode, like, if he finally, Hank finally calls in Peggy and then Bobby kicks her square in the nuts and it yeah, doesn't dude. work. Uh, and He's I understand the that flaps. women... <laughs> women <laughs> Which can't feel good, like right. Women don't have nuts, but they can't just handle it as if you didn't kick them. Right. It's not armor uh, down there. What that taught me was that you can just kick women right there and it's totally fine. And that is not the case, gentlemen. No, that's not true. Don't learn that. So I married an axe murderer, don't they? They haul off and kick each other in the crotch a few times and it's it's man to woman and they (laughs) both like take a moment. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't be kicking your ladies in their undercarriage. That's not funny. That's great advice. Point to Greg. Does that mean he's on? <laughs> no, that was just for don't kick your ladies in the undercarriage. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Different thing. And then I spazzed out and hit my mic. Uh, how many How many seasons of King of the Hill were there? Total? 17 like a, or 18. 17 yeah. or 18. Dubby uh, Didge. I'm, I'm going to have to put this on a maybe just because those long-running shows, it's hard to argue for that specific year. Though that, that quote has come back in memes recently. Yeah. I mean, Bobby I think it's, it's as like, Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> it's one of the more most iconic uh, King of the Hill moments, I think. Ryan, what do you got? Guys, this is from a time where uh, primetime, net- primetime network TV ruled, and there was only one person. You'd think he'd only be on daytime, but now he is also taking over the nighttime as well. And it's Regis! Regis <laughs> is on the primetime, and he is hosting Who Wants to Be a Billionaire two times every night, through the entire year, and it is the biggest. It Twice was a night. Huge. Yes, that's it was, too much. <laughs> during prime time, uh, it was a phenomenon. Everyone wanted to see who wanted to be a millionaire. The answer was everyone. Uh, it's a stupid question, but I who, remember sometimes they'd bring someone up, and you'd be like, "I would, I don't care to be a millionaire," and they'd be like, "Okay, well, you gotta leave. Keep on yeah. moving." All right. <laughs> that's, that's the first question. First question. <laughs> Have you guys seen that clip of the dude who? Uh, phone a friend on the million dollar question and he phones his dad and he's just he called like his dad yeah oh i know the answer i just want to let you know i'm about to win a million dollars you know what's weird about that i can't remember exactly what the question was but as you got into the higher rounds of that game the questions were brutal like yeah. because you were they were for like a million dollars and the question he answers is so easy uh-huh. that it made me think it was a little bit of a setup because i think that might have been the first time anybody ever won it and it was such a chill moment. He calls his dad, and he's like, hey, Dad, I uh, don't need your help here. I just want to let you know I'm about to win a million dollars, which <laughs> after taxes, that means I'm taking home like six fifty, buddy. $6.50. Yeah. $6.50. So are you, are you declaring quiz show on who wants to be a millionaire? I, I, it's just interesting. I'm just asking questions. No, I don't be that guy. Uh, <laughs> I just, just loose I was, changing who wants to be a millionaire. I was surprised because I remember watching that show and being like, these questions get hard. Like around yeah. $32,000, it's like, dude, nobody knows this stuff. Um, and hit the last one, you would expect it to just be the hardest question you could possibly ask and not, you know, who shot who was who was killed by Aaron Burr? Raymond Hamilton. Burr. Uh, I hate to do it, but Ryan does get a point. Regis is on the mountain. Greg, win this it back, awful. baby. Win it back. Yeah, that was 
That was such a good one. I also, Mike, on my you're going to be the host of like this entire season, and I'm probably going to be a panelist on most of them. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get some points. <laughs> you're going you're to hate it every time. <laughs> no, it's for Regis. I don't like his loud voice. If you, <laughs> if you don't like Regis, that's egregious. Okay. okay, I had a, I had another season five thing here, but I think I, okay, uh, <laughs> 2001. Everybody wanted to see some hot anti terrorism but we wanted it to be starring a movie star but we wanted the events to occur occur in real time but we wanted all that to happen in 24 hours and we demanded the only show that promised all these things (laughs) which is Kiefer Sutherland in 24 a show that was so ridiculous and it was just Kiefer Sutherland running from one location to the next, torturing people everywhere he went. Because this was right after 9-11 and America was like real into the idea of maybe we should just torture folks if we think they're going to harm us. What if us? we don't do the right thing? What if yeah. we do the wrong thing and win? And at the same time, people are like, whoa, no, actually it's a very bad way to get information. There's this show on primetime television where this dude is just running around hooking people's nipples up to like bat- car batteries. And just never pooping. An answer. And never pooping. And also, everywhere he has to go is in L.A. because he has to be able to get there, like, in just 40 minutes. Yeah, I want six hours straight of him on a flight to Philly. <laughs> and he's just, like, reading for a whole You're going to need to bring in the world's, like, premier hand uh, handwriting specialist. He lives two blocks over. Let's go. Boop, See, all boop, of this could have been handled boop. if, instead of Jack Bauer, they made it the Rocketeer. Uh-huh. If the Rocketeer, he, he could have done all of this in 24 hours. Okay, hang on, Ryan. Explain this in great detail. Uh, miss all of the traffic, and also yeah. when you want to torture someone, turn around, turn your jetpack <laughs> on, and you burn their balls off. <laughs> that kills them. Do not burn your lady's undercarriage. Uh, Keith has to be on this mountain. So Chief we got Keith. two craggly-faced fucks right on up there. Ryan. I Guys, 2001 was the year that changed everything, and I, you know how much I love scripted TV, but for sure dude and <laughs> you're always talking about that you never shut up <laughs> it's what God, most of my t-shirts it. say um <laughs> but you know as greg said maybe who wants to be a millionaire was scripted what if this other one was as well the king of tv 2001 was a skinny asshole that nobody liked that made a million dollars on survivor it's richard hatch richard god damn it hatch. if we did if we're doing TV, then he's got to be here. If we did villains of 2001, if we did villains of the first 10 years of the century, like Richard Hatch fucking sucked. Also, uh, he created Lost. What's in the hatch? It's Richard. That's right. It's Richard <laughs> it's Hatch Richard. has to be on here. We all remember that quote. And why was he such a bastard? I don't know. Okay. I never watched it. <laughs> I, I, I did watch this show. My whole family used to gather around to watch it. And his whole thing was, okay, this is like a game where we're all supposed to see who can last the longest. So he's the one that invented like alliances. He had a lot to oh, do nice. with like how now these these games are actually played because he was like, well, it's again everybody else was like this is the real world. We're going to hang out and just be real and and uh so he was like basically lying and manipulating the Love entire him. time. What a hero. And did not wait for season 4. He was like season no. 1, let's get this going. Yeah. <laughs> and it really it set the tone for what the show would be. So it's I think it's a a good choice and it got people so fired up that it brought a lot of attention to Survivor. Yeah. I think, yeah, Survivor was, was, as Greg said, the family would gather around. I think the Hatchman has to end up here, which means we have three spots in. We're going to go back and forth for a bit. Greg, what do you got? Okay. Um, 2001 was the birth of Adult Swim. 
and Adult Swim was the sort of rebrand of the Cartoon Network. It is technically its own network, Adult Swim, so at weird. that time. Uh, so that it like has different laws that apply to it, I guess. But uh, Space Ghost, Coast to Ghost, Sea Lab, Twenty Twenty One, Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, The Brack Show, um, it Squidbillies, Squidbillies came around a little bit later. Home Movies was around at this time. Uh, you know, Venture Brothers, but it it kind of changed um, what TV humor was like. And honestly, like we wouldn't have Tim Heidecker in like fucking uh, us if it weren't for the fact that. Uh, you know, he was on Tom Goes to the Mayor and the Tim and Eric show and everything. And it, it gave a space for this alt comedy to actually come into the fore a little bit. I seriously remember going to like weird film festivals in the 90s mm-hmm. where they would show animated movies. And was you'd it have to, like, Spike and Ike's Sick and Twisted Spike, Cartoon Yeah, exactly. Uh, and some of them really were sick and twisted. Uh, but a lot of them were goofy. And this like they brought that energy to to actual um, TV. And I was like a stoner who stayed up till four in the morning at, at the time instead of a stoner that goes to bed at eight 30. So <laughs> like, uh, I would like be watching this stuff until like, you know, the break of break. And are you saying adult swim? Adult swim. Yeah. I'm just going to say the whole thing. Right. I guess if you want a head for the mountain, I would definitely put space ghost because that is kind of like, even though that was conceived in the nineties, uh, that was like, he was kind of like the grandpappy of like all right. of adult swim. 2001, a space ghost. Odyssey. Goes to see. Let's speed round this, Ryan. What do you got? Um, 2001 was the highest rated year for this show that I do actually think sort of changed TV a lot. It's hard to imagine. And if we're going to pick somebody that represents the show, uh, that made it okay, like very carefully, like with a lot of thought. You said speed round, Mike? Weird way to uh, speed round, man. <laughs> uh, very carefully made it okay to like, we all laugh at the same things and not in an offensive way. It was Sean Hayes' Jack from Will and Grace. I think that once he hit the big time that Sean Hayes just sort of owned the year and it just wasn't... Jack. Just Jack, 2001. It wasn't uh, It wasn't like very offensive, limp-wristed, right. horrible gay jokes. personality. Right. I think that... Uh, Sean Hayes meant a lot in this year. Greg. Uh, this was season five of Buffy. Uh, Buffy enthusiasts will tell you season five is among the best. Um, Buffy. Mike, have you heard of the show? Buffy? I have. I do, love do you remember it. season five? Do you remember how big season five was? It was huge. It is not Mike's pick where you get three points if you get that show, but <laughs> it's a good show. Ryan. Rods. Yeah. Rods. <laughs> I can't believe you waited this long. <laughs> A very Ryan pick. Can I do another speed round? Yes, please. Undeclared. Jet <laughs> shut Apatow up. I love it, but shut up. <laughs> had the foresight to release a show in 2001. They chopped it up to bits. They showed it all out of order. None of it made sense, but it's actually still a fucking dope show, Undeclared. Your 2001 television Mount Rushmore is Regis Philbin, Kiefer Sutherland, Richard Hatch, and Space Ghost, coast to coast. Hell yeah. 2001, what a time to be an older white dude. <laughs> when we come back, more Fellowship of the Ring. I just got a text from Stephanie that said, uh, I can hear your Ray Romano. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter 
and find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Taste buds. Peter Jackson turned a fantasy travelogue into a three hour blockbuster holiday action movie. You want me to start that again? No, I do not. Dude, no. <laughs> you like the holiday? How dare you? Continue. Pilgrimage. So, does the pacing make up for the sacrilege of making a movie twice as long as any movie should be? And how necessary is all the action? Do the set pieces hold up from a suspense angle, if not CGI? Which one do you want us to answer first? Jesus Christ. What are you, a reporter in the White House right now? <laughs> I'll go with the curly-haired guy. He's giving you a look. Um, uh, the pacing of this movie is the, the most uh, amazing part of it, because this, this book is like all all of the books are just like you said a travel log. They're just like and then they're walking. Um and it's going to you know it's going to take like a week to get there. Remember when they walk in the in the in the movie when they first get to Moria? Uh, Gandalf's like this is going to take 4 days to get through. 4 days? You're going to walk <laughs> through these mines for 4? That's crazy. That's such a long time. And so the fact that this movie is basically non-stop wall-to-wall action with only a couple of breaks to hang out with elves is actually pretty fascinating. Like he really did tune the story up. I just, but I, I do think that it is too much. And having never read the book, I don't know what is important and what is not according to the book. Like I've been told about uh, Tom Bombadil. Uh-huh. He's uh, not that big of a Tom Bigadil. Okay, good. But uh, I want to, first of all, I want to give some credit to Howard Shore, right? Uh, the composer who can make uh, the, icon- I, I would say the most iconic shot other than Bilbo freaking out about his ring of them climbing up to the top of the mountain and then one at a time going through there uh-huh. like this a lot of this is Howard Shore and I think that he does the work that makes the non-action scenes he helps out and makes them powerful but fuck man especially towards the end it's just like it feels like they're looking at each other and me in the same way that I'm looking at them of like another monster like it's like oh don't rile up the waters because we don't have fucking time but then of course pip and mary the two fucking worst characters in movie history rile up the right. goddamn waters and now we have an octopus that we did not need to deal with see, Ryan, what are we doing that's here that's the thing that's because when you carry the one ring with you you like bring out all the bad stuff in the area like the ring calls out to all the evil stuff around it so it but I do think thinking about pacing, because pacing works with tension. So I get that it calls out the bad stuff of the area, but it like zoomed in on that water, and then they went inside for a second and ran back outside. You go, oh, that thing we didn't see in the water is going to grab them now. Like It's like the, the Universal so, Studios tour missed the Jaws part, and then they flick it in reverse <laughs> and be like, oh, we got to do this, I guess. I guess I, get, I, I agree to a point with you, Greg, that how they fit in so much, and it wasn't somehow longer that the pacing worked, but on a, a minute scale, the pacing never worked for tension there was never tension in here that that i felt worked and that's also pacing where like the big running scene with arwen and the ring rates uh-huh. it's she's running forward and they sort of run forward and then they turn a corner and then she runs forward and then they yeah. sort of run forward and at no point are you like oh no what's gonna happen like it was surprising no. how no tension was in any of the fight scenes except maybe the one where he has the sword and the flame argon you could just tell that they're bad at their fucking job even though they're like uh, dead king, ghost, dark, black horse riders that like they just suck. And when they're almost close, then they'll get in formation a little bit further behind her. And then when she makes it to safety, another thing will happen as opposed to as opposed to when uh, Aragorn, Aragorn mm-hmm. uh, is talking to Liv Tyler. I'll just use real <laughs> names. Liv Tyler and saying like, hey, you got to fucking you got to make sure that this 
Frodo kid is like safe. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Or when they're talking about how much they're in love with each other. Or when Boromir is teaching the hobbits how to fight. Like, the little moments. Yeah. Uh, like, this felt like the little moments were uh, what I was waiting for and then had to sit through the action as opposed to the little moments were a break from the action, which is how typically these franchises work. Yeah, I guess I always liked that the action in in these, and the as to the tension not you know maybe being real, I always thought it was interesting the way it constantly did push the narrative forward. They're like constantly trying to move forward in this in a way that in the book they honestly don't always try to do. <laughs> But, but does but that like, give it like a video game feel? Of right. Just like, oh, it feels like a video game or mousetrap. Like it feels right. cold. And then, they're, they're often not moving forward because they're deciding to do things. It's just like, well, the clock ran out on that scene. So the big boom from another room had to happen. And I get how the ring brings out the evil. But do you know who act, whose job that actually is? It's screenwriters. Like that's what they do for a living is bring out the evil at appropriate times. And we're... We're, we're so engulfed in like the uh, the mythos and like the past and like all of the shit in this story that when we meet some random fucking octopus or uh, by the way a giant ogre who when hobbits hop on his back looks just as bad as Harry Potter <laughs> like it's that that is just as bad. Uh, I want more Saruman or uh, the big eye or the guy with the helmet. Like I want stuff that actually matters instead of like oh yeah there's fucking evil creatures everywhere mm-hmm. yeah but like in the in in the instance of, of that like of the 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 troll like they're being attacked by the same bad guy like the in everything in moria that they face is being directed at them by their same villain as like before it's all it's all saruman sending bad guys to get them so that seems i know but like that sounds like resident evil though like that sounds like uh some more let's just some more. Yeah, I think it's it's intrinsically a story about how you get from one place to the next. So I think that like you can't tell this story and not have them traveling. But but to have so much traveling, it, it I think amping up those character moments Ryan talked about. I would love to really be able to tell somebody how Boromir is different than Aragon, other than one is like no thank you ring, and one is like yes please ring. Like if if you're gonna do that. I mean, Gimli and Legolas are not characters. They're not people. And at least in this one, I remember them being really fun. In my memory, they were always like competing and like, I killed one. How many did you kill? And just laughing about murder. And <laughs> in this one, thing. like everybody other than Merry and Pippin are pretty personalityless and Gandalf, I guess. And also and those two have the worst personality. If you're going to do that travel and we're just going from point A to point B, you're, you want to hang out with the crew. Like, wouldn't you have traded any, any action scene? Outside of like maybe two or three, like the 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 Balrog, the Fire Demon, that's got to stay right. Like that that that's, that's a, a that's a home run. But any other action scene with them sitting around the campfire, being like, "Oh, Aragorn loves the Elf Lady," mm-hmm. and then them all going, "Ooh," that would have been so yeah. much more impactful. To to know what is driving each of them, uh, other than I was told to be here. I don't know. <laughs> what are you guys up to? Yeah, I. I think it inherits a lot of that from the novel, which it doesn't mean that it has to, that that's how it has to be told. But you know, the, the books are like a romance. They're like, um, a, yeah. an old English. And so they have the pacing of that. That doesn't mean you have to make the movie that way, obviously, but I think it is it, while making it move a lot quicker, it still manages to have the feeling I, I, I like of, of, of a, of a picaresque travel through this world 
type story. I, I think it manages to form a little bit of a happy medium there. With that, with the pacing, and and you keep saying it's like romantic English, that makes sense a lot. Like the movie starts off with like what feels like a half an hour prologue, yeah, uh, and that feels very romantic. Did did that set the tone for you guys as a film? And you're like, I know what I'm getting strapped into, or did it feel like, well, this is for the people who read the book, so they get to sort of see those scenes, and I wish we were just in the movie. I don't know how I felt in 2001 in theaters, but uh, this time, like, it's so nervous about how, like, I'm going to have to do this on a podcast, and I'm going to have to, uh, like, outlast fantasy nerds Mike and Greg. Uh, I loved it. I did not think it was too long. I remember uh, it gets a lot of shit for being too long. I thought it was awesome. I think it's because of Kate Blanchett. I think it's because uh, there's a really good... That's the best pacing of the movie, where it's like, and then, and then, and the and thens hit in perfect points. I thought it was awesome. And I will say, think about the demands of characters. The guy who, I'm sure there's a name. Greg, do you know the name of the king who actually cut off Sauron's fingers and made him drop like Martha's pearls? Oh, it's like Isildur. Isildur does not look like a hero. Mm -hmm. He looks scared shitless and it was an accident. And I was like, that is dope. (laughs) And nobody brings it up. There was just like this quiet little moment they let us... like subtly part of what i when think we is- get to because hugo weaving tells the story later right of like what yeah. actually happened and we were like yeah we knew we saw his face <laughs> you know part of i think what it, it the movie is exploring in kind of a subtle way because no one ever like talks about it necessarily is like how um fascism relies on an aesthetic and how to establish that aesthetic sometimes you don't do the most pragmatic things and what i see in the evil in this movie and it's very convenient because it often means that um, you're not doing effective things, you're doing showy things, and so that's good for a movie. But like the the in that scene, for instance, uh, if Sauron just like delivers a killing blow to that guy, it's over. But he reaches down because he wants to pick him up because he wants to make some sort of show of what he's going to do with him, mm. and that's what undoes him. And those ring rates, can you think of a worse uh, like band of of like um, troops to have than nine different kings? And you send them out to do no, things. Yeah, they, and that's why they do suck. Because they're like, you would never send out the nine leaders of a country to go try to like get some stuff done. And they don't work together. No. Like, they could become a team and like get a lot of shit done. All but they instead, they're all just like nine they, individuals. They want to come yeah. in through. Yeah, individual. they all like to look gothy yeah, and dope. And, <laughs> and, just, and just like go through the stable and be like, that's not the scariest horse. Uh-huh. Bring me your scariest <laughs> horse. And then make it bleed a little bit. So I think without hanging too much of a lantern on it, it really is about like how that is a weak form of of trying to impress people and that it will be in the end the weakness of fascism is that it will not it will always try to adopt more of an aesthetic than it will an actual like belief system so that is awesome and you did get a point for it (laughs) but i do think that you're giving the movie a lot of credit because there's nothing else subtle in the movie yeah so to be like well that's the subtle part of it is is Mm. yeah i do i I think i think it does i think the movie does speak on a number of different levels but i think the most present one is that it's a it's a big dumb action movie and the way in which it's a big dumb action movie i think is kind of true to the history of the whole fantasy genre which does go back all the way to medieval times um but like dinner (laughs) answer pepsi available uh but um and so i think it you know it you have to have the action sequences in there. Maybe they're stupid and eye rolly, but I think that that is speaks to it's more like groundling, you know, um, for everybody for the, the common man style version of the story. The other thing that I saw too, and Mike, I, like I understand what you're saying. Like it's, 
it cares not for subtlety, right? Like it really does want to have people eat as much popcorn as possible for the three hours. And I appreciate that. Like I definitely love that. But the ring calling to its creator, you know, like it just wants mm-hmm. to get back on onto the finger of the person who created it is something that like I I think that part is bullshit. I think what is actually is like the ring wants to get onto the finger of the person who wants it and the person who wants it is a piece of shit person. You know, like right. if, if you're going to stand up and say like, oh, I should be in charge. What kind of person are you? And I think that's how you sort of decide evil. Like there's people who are like, I don't know, we should all be in charge and have fun. And then there's the people who are like, uh, give me that ring and I'll fucking let you know how <laughs> things should work. And that's It'll be good, of course, of course. That's origins of evil right there, right? Yes. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have to talk about the origins of evil. Uh, when we come back, we're going to test your knowledge. Trivia. Of course, that little robot saying trivia means it's time for trivia. I was going to say Rushmore. Damn it. The rules are simple, but the game is hard. I will ask a question, then you will call in with your name, and if you answer it right, you get a point. And if you don't, the other person gets one chance. And so then you say your name right, you get a you get a point. No, you have to an- you have to say your name right, and then answer the question right. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's a two step. Gweb, <laughs> ah, damn. <laughs> I don't know who that should be. <laughs> so, any questions, gentlemen? No, you have questions for us because you're hosting. No, I'll do trivia. I have some questions for Mike. <laughs> now, go. Go, I guess, Mike, go ahead. Question the first. What year did Lord of the Rings originally come out? Ryan. Ryan? 1953. No. Greg. Greg. 2001. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question the second. Other than the Frighteners, name a pre Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson film. Greg. Greg. Um, King Kong. Nope, that came after. <laughs> uh, Ryan. It's a pretty pretty bad guess. Ryan. Uh, Dead Alive. Yes. Dang. Dead Alive is dope. Question the third: Which actor was so afraid of flying he would hike in character to the mountaintop scenes while the rest of the cast would laugh at him from a helicopter? Ryan. Greg. Aragorn. No. <laughs> Ryan. Uh, is that a no because that's a not an actor's name? It is it is I will give you Ian this McCallum. It is the character or the actor. No, it is Sean Bean, the headless man himself. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I know that I'm always <laughs> in danger of dying, so I'm not gonna get in a helicopter. What pulpy fantasy series got Mike into the genre? Greg. Greg. Uh Dragonlance. Yeah, boy. Somebody Boom. listens when I talk. Fuck this. And see, that's a perfect example of you have a wizard who does magic. He doesn't also then fucking swing a sword around. Yeah, he he's allowed to hold like a two-inch blade. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Jesus I was, Christ. I was wrestling Magery for Halloween one year. Nice. What fantasy movie is better than Fellowship of the Ring? Ryan. Ryan. Labyrinth? I actually don't know if that's true. Greg. Greg? Uh, Willow. Sure, I'll say no to Labyrinth and yes to Willow. <laughs> no, both of them are better than Fellowship of the Ring. You both get a point for that. <laughs> That's what mean. Other distinguished what was the answer? Both. Oh, I, I, there's a lot. Lady Hawk. No. What, uh, distinguished actor is almost Gandalf. Greg. Greg. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, boy. Damn. Is the Dragonlance cartoon any good? 
Ryan. Greg. Ryan. Absolutely not. No, it's it's very disappointing, despite having Lucy Lawless as one of the voices. <laughs> how long was the Fellowship of the Ring? Or no, how long was the entire film shoot? Greg. Greg. Two years. Ryan. No, Ryan. 297 days. It's the exact amount of days of Apocalypse Now, which feels like uh, he did it on purpose. <laughs> and how many days is that? 12. Yeah, no, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan got it. Which... Tolkien book and movie adaptation has Mike never seen or read? Ryan. Ryan. <sighs> Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> I, who can forget J.R.R. Tolkien's <laughs> Mad Max series? Oh, uh, Greg. Greg. The Hobbit? No. It's Return the, of the King. The never Harbor? read it. Never watched it. You never So you saw the first two and didn't see the third one? Yep. That's how you kind introduce your, yourself to people at parties. <laughs> yeah. I, I once went to a uh, Lord of the Rings party in high school, and it started like at 10 in the morning, and we were watching the director's cut. So after the, it was like 7 p.m. after the two towers ended, I went, I'm going home. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I cannot have sex at home. <laughs> uh, what is something Mike has annoyingly said about Tolkien too often? Ryan. Ryan. How uh, he's basically, his name is basically Ryu's power move. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> I wish I said that. Oh. Uh, Greg. Greg. A-, a lot of times you go, when you answer your phone, you go, you're talking with Mike. No, I wish I said both of those things. It is better than, uh, yeah, it builds a good world, but can't fucking write. So. Oh, burn. Last question. It, D&D, is it fun? Greg. Ryan. Greg. Uh, D&D is actually not fun. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan? <laughs> uh, despite not having uh, fantasy genre leans, I have found it very fun, thanks to my uh, DM. Mike. <laughs> I, I will Greg, give and you... Greg. And Greg is also my DM. <laughs> I was going to give you a point for being the right answer, but yeah, you, I'll give a friendship point for saying Greg's a great DM. <laughs> and Greg gets a DM point. Can I, can I just ask? You've mentioned a lot about friendship points. Are they related to the game, or are they just like a different category of points that you keep of us as friends? Oh, they're in the game. If you, okay, if, so those, it's like if, a for the. For the love of your friend, if as if you were some sort of Samwise jumping okay. in the river just to prove that you, uh, the love of your friend, you know, maybe the other person will get a point. You get a friendship point for that. I like it. I love. I, I like that. I think it's a very good idea. I also think it would be kind of funny if you were just scoring us across like a bunch of different things. <laughs> some of them didn't have anything to do with the game. Oh, that's a DM point for Greg. Gonna keep mine. <laughs> Ryan gets two. He shared this morning points. <laughs> and are we to expect friendship points for the this entire season? Uh, maybe, or maybe every movie will have a, a different kind of point oh, related like to the film itself. This is yeah, exciting. these are fellowship points. What they call fellowship, I call friendship. We are the friendship of the pod. <laughs> that is all the time, unfortunately, we have for trivia. But when we come back, more movie. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to 
He's on Bandcamp. He's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, you can probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. Taste Buds. This group of actors became iconic together. And the ones that were not already giant stars became stars. Do any of the performances or characters stand out from the group, either in a good or bad way? Well, I think I've said a couple times so far tonight that uh, Pip and Mary uh, go far beyond like the classic Disney, um, uh, like Sebastian and Scuttle and Flounder. Like, <laughs> well, you really just picked fu- Little Mermaid there. <laughs> fuck these two motherfuckers! Like they're. They're so dumb. They're not funny. They only cause chaos. They are screenwriting like fucking mattresses. Like they, I, I hated, I hated them. I, I don't remember them in the book at all, but it does. So Peter Jackson, pre Lord of the Rings, his humor is a little zany. It, it's a little out there. Uh, he did like gore was not for horror. It was because look how bloody is. Isn't that hilarious? And it does feel like with this movie, he went like, well, I know I can't do my weird New Zealand thing. So I'm going to put all my slapstick love into two characters. And it is the weird New Zealand thing. The the thing that uh, YTT did in Ragnarok, where it just had that rock monster just delivering straight up New Zealand comedy the entire yes, time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, talking about freaky circles. <laughs> Fuck off, ghost. <laughs> Fuck off, ghost. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think he, he tried to do it and it just it, it tonally and annoyingly. You would kill them. They're the Gilligan. Of this group. They are not helping. I mean, I did not relate to this movie anymore other than uh, when uh, Bilbo saw that ring and he went a little large Mars. <laughs> when uh, they, uh, Pip and Mary found that hiding spot and Frodo was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I would I'm not going into that. The, yeah, like, I'm going to run out into the <laughs> monsters instead of like be with you guys for one single more second. It does not sound like either one of you guys like this movie. And I only mention that because you both, I feel like you both have said that you do like this movie or maybe Ryan, you said that you did it. And Mike, I'm not, I'm not sure where you I'm stand. Being coy. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't want anybody to know just yet what your opinion is. Um, On the podcast about this movie, you're going to be coy. I mm-hmm. Nobody feel, will ever know. I'll never tell. Ryan, I almost feel like you are not fully become a big enough dork yet to like, <laughs> there are just some things in this movie that are so dorky that they really are for old school dorks and i think these two characters might be part of it it's just like really nerd kind of like less funny humor but like when we get, when we get to performance and character like this is where it gets interesting because i love big budget blockbusters and in 2020 like i have not gone to the theater to see any of them right and i love when people sand down genres that are too genre e like denis villanueva will not do for dune yeah uh, hell yeah peter jackson He'll definitely did up. for this <laughs> no he's gonna ramp it up uh and so and like the escapism and like peter jackson i think so much of this fucking ruled but there's so much terrible and i think that pip and mary and boromir if i could throw out a third thing uh we're part of the terrible just fucking what the fuck are we doing okay what about the, second get the hell out of the movie what about what about second breakfast did you? Didn't you? LOL at that part. Didn't you enjoy that? No, it's just more like, oh, they're fat and lazy. Did, okay, when the when the when the this is for both of you. When the movie starts off, and you're in Hobbiton, do you are you happy as the viewer of the movie? Is that fun for you? Like, are you enjoying watching oh, yeah, all of these? It's 
it's cute. It's running around. You're getting like the, it's very idyllic and you already saw the prologue. So you know what is going to ruin these furry little freaks <laughs> life. Uh, and it's fun but them like, everybody's reacting to Gandalf in different ways. There's a lot of school marming, like uh-huh. shaking their fingers at him. But there's people like trying to hide that they love him. And then other people like openly like, thank God somebody who has fun is here. <laughs> Why are they so, so excited for Gandalf to get there? Because all he's going to do is become principal of the Shire. <laughs> No, he's gonna get drunk, smoke weed, and light off crazy yeah, fireworks. Yeah, dude, that's the thing. This part of why I love Fellowship over all the other ones is that it has Gandalf the Gray, and Gandalf the Gray is so cool because he's basically party angel. Like he knows he's got this really big job that he has to do, but in the meantime, he wants to like get high and hang out with cool creatures and just Shit, like Mikey Summer Greg. Dude, <laughs> yeah, Gandalf the Greg. So. <laughs> for sure uh and i so i've always been very endeared to that whole part of the movie and i think then and of the books too like my favorite part of, of the hobbit and of lord of the rings is seriously the beginning part where they're just hanging out in hobbiton and it's like talking about how cozy and warm it is i've got this middle ground of like uh gimli and legolas right mm-hmm. like i have no feelings towards them and i <laughs> cannot believe <laughs> they're neutral with two lines each yeah, they're like, what? Are, what are you not handsome? Because I'm very handsome. And then Legolas would say something. Uh, they're the middle ground, and then everybody else like is far above or far below. I either loved or hated everybody else. Yeah, that was surprising to me. Like Balrog, fucking awesome. I've yeah, never dude. seen a Balrog hang, hang so hard. <laughs> uh, I. I feel like the best fr- that you get out of Legolas and Gimli does not appear in this movie. They're not really bros yet. They kind of become bros in the second movie, and that's one of the few things I think that improves oh, as the series goes on. This one does feel like it wants to play with archetypes more than characters, which gives less for the actors to do, because there, there's the... Basically, are all just screaming what the race believes in the fellowship, <laughs> and dwarves, dwarves, dwarves. Out, of, out of nowhere, yeah, Gimli just yells, "I would never trust an elf." Like it felt. They're like all Raiders fans. The Avengers scene with the the mind staff is starting to warp them because yeah. that's what it feels. The ring is, but everybody's line in that Avengers scene is lets you know who their personality is, what their character is based on, and that same scene in Fellowship is I'm screaming racial stereotypes. And then, you know what? Let's cut the dialogue out because I didn't actually want to write the scene anyway. <laughs> Can we get to someone else real quick? Um, Let's talk about somebody who's good, I hope. Unless you want to talk shit on somebody else, Ryan. No, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> I would say that my favorite working actress is in this movie. Uh, and I, like, I've all, I'm already on record Liv saying Tyler. that I love the intro narration. <laughs> Guys, let's have a guest on this podcast whose favorite working actress is Liv Tyler and just see what see what their life is like. Um, but when we meet Galadriel at the end, and I'm going to blame it more on dialogue, like screenwriting than like performance, but she just speaks in narration. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really bad. Like this is what <laughs> makes the movie feel like not for me, not for mainstream, but like it's nerdy as fuck. I don't think Kate Blanchett helped move this towards... Like, this is a three-dimensional character. It's like, I am also narrating now. It's like, what if you met the guy who, in the Super Friends cartoon, who says, meanwhile, what if you had to hang out with him? Do you remember? Meanwhile, fucking here's terrible. a Pepsi. Do you, rem- do you remember in Joker 
when um in the dance of the bells the part that nobody ever talks about but i think about all the time which is when the cops look at what he's really doing while he's doing that dance and you see the perspective from the cops and yeah. it's just joaquin phoenix going like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like pumping the air and you realize like he doesn't look anything like and of course that's the whole point of the movie right he keeps thinking he looks cool when he really looks like he's just standing going <laughs> i think uh you have to see the movie from the perspective of joaquin phoenix for lord of the rings and not from the perspective of like the real world because but no like i think peter jackson worked so hard to make gandalf and frodo real ass people yeah and not people who spoke in this way that we speak in fantasy literature but like peter jackson was like no let's write this dialogue like this and then kate blanchett comes in and it is all right fuck this movie like uh what is she talking like yeah it, so many of the actors talked about how like they learned elvish and they tried to read so much I, I wish they did more character studies. Like, what does my character actually want here to, uh-huh. to give some life and humanity? And I know they're most of them aren't humans, but it'd be nice to have humanity in them. And I do think, yeah, I think Ian McKellen, there's there's nuance in his Gandalf. And I think Aragorn, Viggo Mortensen, which is also a fantasy name, he he is not just your normal <laughs> hero, even though they still would- throw like the, you're a surprise prince. Adam. <laughs> I'll give Ian McKellen the fucking moody right now. Like, Best supporting actor is done. Like, I don't want to only talk shit. Like, uh, he is absolutely incredible. There's other there's other performances that like don't really find the line of like high fantasy, high blockbuster. How, how does how does young Elijah do for you guys? I thought he was good. I thought like he just has to open his eyes and his mouth a lot, and I think he does a really good job. <laughs> I think yeah. he does a good job standing in for you. Just see him experiencing a lot of stuff. Um, and so you see him experiencing joy early on, and then you see him experiencing worry, and then you see him, uh, experiencing really the, the first of his burden. It's interesting because this movie reminds me a lot of like the first three weeks we were in Quar. We were, we were all like, you know, we know what this is like. We can do this. This movie, he thinks he's suffering. Like, bro, you got two more full movies of just walking on (laughs) jagged rocks. Like this isn't even bad yet. The other thing that I think the entire group does a really good job of, maybe even better than like uh, the MCU 9 in Endgame, is the green screen stuff. Like You could still sort of feel like Chris Pratt or uh, Chris Evans being like, oh, I'm punching someone. Uh-huh. And they all of, all of these nine really feel dedicated to the fact that like they're on screen together even though they're not. You know, like they're, they're really into it. And I think that does have a lot to do with the fact that like, I bet there was like uh, campouts and hangouts mm-hmm. and you know bar nights. There was a lot of stuff where like they these people broke the fuck out. Well, yeah, they all got tattoos. The nine of them, and then Peter Jackson all got the number nine in Elvish, and he got ten. Like so, yeah, they you don't do that with people you sort of just went to work with. And that's what's I think all- part of what happens in between these movies and then The Hobbit, because you get to they had to make the Hobbit and it was not like a go on location and hang out and everyone get to know each other. It was nobody is friends on this movie. Nobody that's like making this movie wants to make this movie. And we're all going to make that fucking money. Yeah. And we're all going to stand inside this green rectangle at different times. And then they'll, they'll make a movie out of it like at, at the end. And it feels soulless. And you can feel that like if you watch or if you film or you talk to people coming out of the theater, like Lord of the Rings, as opposed to the Hobbit, like that, it's the same thing. Everybody was like, I uh, uh man, I'm one with that movie, and I feel like I hung out with that movie. And then people coming out of the Hobbit was like, "Fuck, what movie did I watch?" I seriously, cannot <laughs> instantly. Remember. I feel like I watched yeah. the last part of that video game show from Nick, where they would stand in front of the green screen. And- <laughs> Nick Arcade. <Yeah. laughs> 
Gentlemen, that is all the time we have for normal questions. When we come back, speed round. Taste Buds, we already talked about how hobbits are innocent and the Shire is comfort, and the outside Shire is scary, and even though the hobbits drink a lot, the adult humans drink in a scary way, not the fun hobbit way. Uh, How does this movie work as a coming-of-age tale? I I actually think it works pretty good on its own, because... You know, like, we have to move on to more 2001 movies, and we can't do Two Towers or Return of the King. And I think this is basically a high school movie. I think the way that it breaks down is basically, like, you have all these friends, and they mean the world to you, and then they're all going to peel off or die, and then you're going to be left with your one true love. And I think I think it actually does kind of work like that. If they just go on, if Sam and uh, Frodo just move on from that, like, isn't that how every high school movie sort of works out? But then it's like really like it becomes like the high school movie super bad because the when the series is over, uh, they separate and they're both going to go marry ladies. Like, oh, yeah, remember we talked about that we like ladies in the beginning. We're going to go marry those ladies now. That What Man. a tragic ending. I Just can't be wait with to each other. kiss her on her lady mouth. That's what I like. Right, Sam? And while he wipes that the- puke from his mouth <laughs> thinking about it. Was that the worst day of our lives where the three of us? married women on the same exact day at a three-way wedding yeah best day of their life worst day of ours that's what everybody said the awkward part was the way right at the end we all switched (laughs) i think (laughs) that made everybody uncomfortable fire drill (laughs) we planned it they did not so uh sauron made the ring uh couldn't he have made it look good with his ensemble (laughs) maybe there's a little dressy it's it's like, he looks like this badass metal spiky guy, and then he has this gold ring that looks so out of place. He made it like a wedding ring. Like, yeah. a, well, like a, how about a, how about this shit? How about like uh, do whatever you want to your hair and your dress, but ha- let's have the jewelry a little bit basic. I really like that look. I think it works for. Yeah, him. it makes the ring innocuous, and also I think it's pretty clearly supposed to be about the evil story about how one bro has to get married. Now he's gonna have this magic ring that's gonna fucking ruin everything. <laughs> Here's the real question. The Lord of the Rings team has a bad guy named Sauron. The X-Men have a bad guy named Sauron. It's a fucking human pterodactyl. Yeah, dude. Who's scarier? <laughs> Which Sauron is scarier? How bullshit is oh, it to be like, okay, there's, there's two bad guys in this movie. Check it out. One of them, Sauron. Second bad guy, Saruman. Come yeah, on. it feels like Tolkien showed names. up to the pitch meeting and forgot to name the second bad guy. And he's like, Saruman. And nobody this is my knows. five-year-old daughter, Montana. This is my other one, Montanana. <laughs> and nobody what? knows that he's also one of the bad guys. What are the things that make you get crazy Bilbo face when you see them? Greg. You too? Double-decker tacos. Do you guys remember <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah, you is, that like remember? A re- is that a real thing? Double-decker taco? If I see nunchucks, I might be like, oh, you should probably give me those. And if you don't, my face is going to go weird. Yeah, I don't know. When I when I like things, I think I usually have a big dopey grin on my face. So what like thing would I have like a weird avarice like? See, that's what you feel, but that's not what me and Mike see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess the last slice of pizza. Like the w- me watching somebody else take the last slice of pizza, <laughs> I probably have that face. Yes, yes, you do have that face. Were you guys at all surprised that fan favorite book Lord Jim Ringley didn't make it into the movie? Yeah, dang. I mean, Jim Ringley, Lord Jim Ringley is such a big part of the books, and he doesn't, like, he's not even talked about in this. Do you mean Jim Coach Ringley, the guy who taught them all how to uh, be action stars by putting them in gym class? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, I have a question just for you. Do you think that Greg wrote a name just to see if I would read it because I don't know the books and this is not a real character? Because now that's what I'm worried about. Ryan, yes, I do. <laughs> Jim Wrinkley. Greg, is that true? Uh, yeah, it's, it's supposed to sound like it's developing that you're going to talk about Tom Bombadil, which nobody would ever... I, I don't think anyone I, thinks Tom Bombadil should be I in think the movie. Greg's a real Tom script Bombadil. <laughs> but imagine there's a guy in this movie named Lord Jim Ringley. <laughs> and only, only saying it loud was I like, oh no, I've been had. Aragorn, go talk to Lord Jim Ringley. <laughs> see what he's up to. Hey, you're, you're on with Lord Jim Ringley. What can I do you for? Aragorn, how you doing, bud? <laughs> so wait, the only time you can talk to this lord or king is to call him on his radio show yeah, he's hard to get a hold of every character i just make a guy that has a radio show <laughs> well, <laughs> because that's analogous to what i'm doing hey, at the moment lord jim ringley long time listener first time caller uh i'm aragorn bye <laughs> yeah if you get, have a question for lord jim ringley just give me a lord jim ringley <laughs> get them rings y'all what does the film have to say about destiny uh, that if your parents are important or your children will be important, then you're going to be important. And if not, then it's it's not Ryan Johnson. Let's put it that way. Because would, all of the fellowship comes from some sort of powerful line? I think so. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's very much the story of, like, I mean, Aragorn's whole thing is that he is, like, more divine than other people. He comes from a better brand of person. But they don't say that in this movie, do they? That he's oh, not yeah, real no, human. for sure. They say he's watch- the secret king, but they don't say he's a different kind of human, do, do they? I guess, but uh, in according to this movie, like Boromir is like, "Fuck this white guy, he's a piece of shit." And then somebody's like, "Oh, he's this person." At and least- Boromir like takes a knee, and he's like, "Oh my god, his pictures have been on my wall for from the time I was a child." At least in the book, everyone who is a ranger is part of the like. That's not like a profession. It's like you are. Numenorean, oh, you are so just by, but it's you know that but that's what's hard when you have a movie with it, when you have a book with this much like world building. Right. Who's to say what counts for in the movie? It's hard to imagine that something that is never talked about in the movie can influence it one way or another, right? Yeah, speaking <laughs> of world building, like halfway through the movie, they're like, "Well, you know, you're the secret king of Gondor." Would it have helped in in that too long prologue if they had said, "And there's a secret king"? Because it's one of those things that like none of you knew, but yeah, I didn't. Because I didn't know that was a thing we were supposed to be looking out for. You didn't foreshadow. No, because my least favorite thing is like uh, previously on this show that you're watching, and then they bring up something from like three seasons ago, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be that's gonna be clearly the case. You haven't this seen episode. this guy in a while, and you're like, oh, okay, because he's gonna come back. Do you guys know that? Do you guys uh, know if most readers of the books before the movies were pissed off at the movies? Oh yeah, like everybody remember, was like pretty stoked about it, right? Remember, I think most people were pretty stoked about it. But do you remember? Uh, there's and Parks and Rec. Ben has that line, like he says, like Lord of the Rings, and don't even start with that because I didn't like Peter Jackson's interpretation. <laughs> it is, it's a, it's a, it's. I mean, it is like taking something that is kind of very relaxed and making it into an action movie. So I think there's a lot of people who were like, you dialed up a lot of the dumb parts of this to eleven, and then didn't capture the spirit of the rest of it. And Ben is upset because Peter Jackson cut uh, Lord Jim Coach John, yeah John Turner. John Ronglong. Uh, Gandalf he he's very earthy, and for an old guy, pretty fly. You fools, he fuck. <laughs> oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah. The you know how you can tell? I think it's the uh, it's that like undershirt, that undershirt that he wears, where he's got his thumb through the sleeve. I don't know. That's just got a very strong sexual energy for me. And he's like, he's so earthy. You know, he's just like a very like natural. He loves like life. I don't know. I just got a feeling he really throws it down. He also has this like Shatner-esque wink. 
at everything he everybody he comes across where he's like that that looks a little different to me. Hello, <laughs> and then like he's definitely I, fucked I, I would up feel like those curly haired hobbitses. Yeah, most villages are filled with Gandalf children. And not to be, not to constantly bring up the book, which I'll say right at the end of the show. But uh, Gandalf's <laughs> whole thing is he's the, like the wizards are like not human; they're kind of like angels. And so the whole idea that he's like this angel with a great destiny, but before that time, he is going to like smoke out and party. I think also includes he's gonna fuck because yeah. once, yeah, like like spoilers, like he's not he's only Gandalf Grey for a little bit and it's a different person than gandalf the white like it really is like uh gandalf the white comes back and he's cool because he's all white and everything or whatever but he's not a human anymore or he doesn't seem human like anymore free love i've never read the book but this guy's all about the free love. oh yeah dude for sure how much sweet would you want to hang out in the shire so much oh god i just because i just want to grab a book and go sit under a tree and then one day Gandalf comes by and he's going to do like crazy fireworks. The, I, I just, I want to be a hobbit so bad, you guys. Here's why I, I think that I would do better in the Shire than Greg is because any, like Greg grabs that book, right? And goes under that tree. And then at any point, any hobbit, me included, is going to be like, oh, it's goddamn national drink if you're reading a book day. And they all throw their books over their shoulder and they drink as much as they fucking can. It's basically like a frat house that has been dedicated to tiny villages. I mean, early in the movie when he comes home from the pub, he is shmammered. Yeah. Like he's dr- <laughs> like he's drunk. And that's what they do every single night. Like that's <laughs> weird. Who would do that every single night? Uh, a lot has been made of the costuming uh, of this movie when it came out. Uh, costuming has since upped its game in fantasy production since. Do these still look fly, you fools? I didn't see a lot of parts uh, where <laughs> I didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of things where I was like, uh, oh shit, look at that, look at that, that's bullshit, that's stupid. You know, I think that they did a good job and I read that like they had a they had an oven cooking at all times just create parts. The ears? <laughs> yeah, like ears oh, wow. and legs and uh, shoulder blades and whatever you needed. Oh yeah, remember it was like, just, like those creepy crawly things? Like they used to sell. They like those. invented three D printers. Yeah, and just like started pumping them out. Uh, they're like, I think that the last twenty minutes are probably the worst because it's the least CGI and it's the most like, uh, what do you call it, LARPing? Uh huh. <laughs> Where like all the characters that lightning we know bolt, are like lightning bolt. Yeah, they're just like gently skipping through the woods <laughs> as like four or five orcs are like, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> But other than that, no, I thought they did a pretty good job. The books, the first book ends with the death of Gandalf, and then start, and then the second book starts with the death of Boromir. And th- he changed that. That's an interesting idea. I mean, for a movie that feels like it ends at a really weird point, it might make more sense if like fuck Gandalf died, and then it's like roll credits. Um, yeah, I was. I really. The, the big thing is uh, Sam and Frodo leaving. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. And so you need to see the fellowship but- broken. Between Gandalf and Sam and Frodo, those are two big points. But th- to have in between that Boromir being like, I was a dickbag. <laughs> I love you all. Like that fucking, that really sucked the breath out of the movie. Yeah. About the costuming, I was one of the people who was really impressed when I first saw it. And watching it this time, I think personally uh, after Game of Thrones that had costuming that was, and this is an important point, I think specifically made for the high definition era so that like mm-hmm. you could actually see the filigree on the costuming and everything these costumes look so flat compared to that there's like no detail on them and so often like i really like the way gandalf the gray looks 
Ian McKellen is so dirty all the time and his like undershirt is kind of dirty. His hat looks like he made it like for at a craft fair just yesterday. <laughs> like it's got the right shape and everything, but it doesn't look like it's a working wizard's hat. And so I, I the costuming to me took a little bit of a step back on this review. And so much of it is not just it's 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 like budget and scheduling, but no matter what, like you guys seriously flew to an island and tried to film three giant movies at the same time. So like I don't know how much I can blame you for having a clean hat and a dirty gown yeah. or <laughs> if I'm just like, hey, let's not make movies like that. You know, yeah. like you're never going to care about one individual moment if you're trying to make that many moments across the uh, across 10 hours of movie. And sounds like maybe they cared more about the moments off camera where they just were at adult summer camp and dress up. Do you think that it was the, LARPing the whole time? The true adventure was their friendship because that fucking sucks because I didn't get to see any of that. Yeah. They didn't I want the true that. adventure to be the movie, idiots. And also, we trademarked that for the movie of the year podcast. Yeah. So they cannot use that. The last question of the speed round is uh, we've talked about throughout this whole show is the first thing the film wants us to know is that Sam and Frodo definitely straight, definitely into hopatesses. And then the rest of the movie spends time proving how much they're in love. Uh, is the movie actually trying to say anything about that? That's a good question because I wonder if they could be seen as like adventurous bisexuals. Like when they're out on the road. Is there any other kind? When they're out on the road and it's just the gentleman. Yeah, you know, as Tony Soprano said, there's no women there. So as every time the three of us have traveled together, we're like uh, zip code rule. <laughs> if the three of us are in the same zip code, <laughs> we got to have sex. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like rewatching it, like I... I do think that there is some stuff there, but I do not think that Peter Jackson is trying to tell a gay story. I think he's trying to make Sam that like, look how dedicated he is to the goal. Mm-hmm. I think Even honestly, they've got a really stuff. like fucked class dynamic. I think it's kind of a gross thing that is inherited from the book, which is like that Sam is more than happy to just put his life on hold for Frodo because it's just it's a great opportunity to be able to support somebody with a lot of money and means, and like you know you're helping make a great man even greater. Like I, I think he's not supposed to give a shit about himself because he's a working class stiff, and that's grosser than anything about yeah, like a bummer. yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, even in this movie, probably in future movies, but even in this movie, uh, Frodo's like, no, don't do that. But I gotta say, Sam, I, I do like his it, shoes yeah. aren't buckled. <laughs> yeah, come on, baby. Sam, I'm hungry. No, you don't have to make anything. I'm just saying, I'm hungry. I'm just letting you know I'm hungry. <laughs> Gonna get real hangry in a second. <laughs> that is all the time we have for speed round. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, awards. It is everybody's favorite time of the show when we start just sitting on our butts and start doing a Rushmore. <laughs> we start the show with a Rushmore and end with a different Rushmore. This is the heaven Ryan dreamed of. <laughs> <laughs> just five segments of Rushmore in a row. Just four interstitial Rushmores. So we're going to do the Rushmore of the best moments of this show <laughs> that we just recorded. <laughs> Ryan? I- we usually do that off air. That time when I was like, Rushmore! That's gotta be on. Slammy D. Uh, maybe pile. Greg? Oh, best moments of the show? Uh, there was like five minutes there where I just stared off into space when I realized you guys were both ripping on the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a highlight oh. for me. I realized something, Greg, because you said that like two hours into the show where you had no idea what me and Mike thought. And I still don't think that's clear. 
Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought this was a good movie. Just so everybody you knows. You keep like, saying that you like it, and then when you talk about it, you say mean things. It's a really bad, stupid movie. Yeah, yeah, that's actually where I'm leaning. I don't, think, uh, I don't think anybody who likes it thinks that it is just a good movie and not also a stupid movie. It's just a matter of how much you think it's a stupid movie. <laughs> I... I, I think oh, we're, I, we're not supposed to do this right now. This is after the awards. We're getting to the awards. You're For trying to make me talk about movie. it right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Who wants to start? We'll go with Ryan. What is your Gandalfiest moment? My Gandalfiest moment, and there's so many. Like, really, he is the MVP of the movie. Uh, when he died in the movie, I was like, oh, man, I hope he comes back for the Twin Towers. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be so much better if he was in that movie. Does he, Duncan Greg? and Robinson. <laughs> the what? Twin Towers. Is that a sports? <laughs> That's a sports. Sorry. And also, Greg, we should point out that there is somebody in the NBA right now named okay. Duncan Robinson. No. That's fucking weird. S- sidebar. <laughs> there is a basketball player named Duncan Robinson. That is obviously created by a name generator that has run out of ideas. Like they're just using it's, the names from our childhood is, basketball players. It's the bike truck. Named the Two Tower. <laughs> yeah, he should be called the Two Towers. Never forget. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? You said when he died, he should be in the second one, which that's a weird <laughs> moment. I don't know if you'll win this one, right? Well, I mean, the Gandalfiest moment might be like, oh, I could save myself. Yeah, you know what? Never mind. Bye. But- yeah, he stared at all their annoying faces and went, oh, I'm in the drop. You guys ever like been going into a bar, looked at the table of all your friends and been like, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recall yeah. the Uber. Just Larry Daviding it just uh, and walk out. <laughs> But no, my uh, Gandalfiest moment is because he's the smartest and he's the best when uh, they're like, all right, we should have a fellowship for sure, but we're all still going <laughs> to scream and yell at each other. And he just sits in his chair and rolls his eyes as hard as he could, uh, does a lot of like uh, fingers at the temples. He's just like, I-, I could solve this right now. I think that's so Gandalf of like, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to wait and let them figure it out. I'm going to try to channel him at future Thanksgivings for sure. Because I always feel like that internally, but do not show up by grabbing my temples. I think the eye roll is the moment. For me, uh, it's the something that the movie backed off a little bit on, but the book really does, is you never get as much Gandalf as you want. He always shows up and you're like, you're like the hobbits. You're like, Gandalf, fuck yeah, awesome. And then he, and then you're like, oh man, we're going to hang out? We're going to do stuff? And he's like, we are going to do stuff, champ. But I got to leave for a little bit and then I'm going to come back. all of our dads. So uh, the time when Gandalf shows up at, right in the beginning of the movie and then he's like, you know what? I got to go do a lot of homework. And he fucks off to university and he does research, <laughs> and he researches. He goes through the microfiche and the microfilm uh-huh. and finds out what the what the ring is about. Is that is that the Gandalf the Gray moment or the Gandalf the Greg moment? That's, that's <laughs> the Gandalf the Grayest moment. He's he's a stoner student. I just think is, that's so cool. Like the you know the action investigate. What we didn't you know? see is the amount of frisbee and hacky sack he did in the meantime. A lot. And co-eds. Is that the moment where Frodo says, but you've only just arrived, I don't understand? And he goes, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> keep it secret. Keep it. Yes, yeah. uh, that is what I have written down. That is the clear award. Is It's, uh, I just got here. I got to bounce. I'm going to say something cryptic and then also be like, I don't get it either. Not explaining anything. Goodbye. That is wizard. All right. So I get that. That makes it get off the mic's dad. That's why that gets the point. <laughs> in the book, um, the difference between the movie, in the movie, you at least go with Gandalf, so you see like what happens with Saruman and everything. In the book, you just don't see him for like 100 pages, and he comes back, and he's like, I've had my own adventure. And you're like, oh, Gandalf, man, I would have, I wanted shit? to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hang out with these chuds. I don't want to hear about like the post-action report. I wanted to like be there when stuff happened. <laughs> 
But you still always jump into his arms like a four-year-old from oh. a fucking catapult. Just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> One thing we have not talked a ton about uh, on this show is the fact that the hobbits, like, their their size, respective to Gandalf especially, seems to change, like, within yeah. the same scene yeah. to where well, they're up to, like, his, his nipples sometimes, and other times they are, like, small, tiny little babies around his, his feet. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they show the picture of the nine, like, all right, we've decided this is the nine, and then, like, there's that one shot of, like, the team of nine... It's everyone is the wrong height. Peter Jackson was like, I don't care what we do. It's just make everyone some crazy size and make it look photoshopped as fuck. We have a giant reservation at TGI Fridays we got to get to now. Wrap the scene. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get cool tats. Special move. Greg? For me, special move doesn't even go to the main cast. I'm going to give it to uh, the Uruk High who his special move is he throws his shield so that it goes like around uh, Aragorn's neck. So it mm-hmm. pins him to the tree. This is such a classic bad guy against a hero move where I'm going to do something cool, but non-lethal to you. That's going to ultimately end up just killing me instead. All right. This is fucking bullshit. Cause it's clearly uh captain America esque. Like you're trying yeah. to get this point here. <laughs> well, no, using- I, I think it, it's it's clear that he knows how to kill people. He should he put pincushion Boromir two minutes before that. But with this guy, he's like, no, I'm going to let this one linger. There has never been a character in the history of literature or film that was created more to just fucking die than Boromir. Like <laughs> his whole job is so that one of the main characters can be said to die permanently. Mm-hmm. Like that's all he he just shows up to be like, I think we should be bad and we should do bad things with the ring, and for everyone to be like, no, you're wrong, and then as he's dying to be like you guys were right about how i was wrong <laughs> but like yeah even more than like pip and mary that's why i would say that he is the worst character because right when we get settled into the fact that like oh no he's part of the team after he's clearly a bastard as soon as we get there he's like i'm a bastard i want that fucking ring give me the ring i want to look busy my special move <laughs> is and i don't know if this is like uh how she always does it or if it's just this one time but uh arwen uh, mm-hmm. Calls a tidal wave. It feels like mm-hmm. that the what are they called the Ghost Riders, the Wraiths, the Wraith? Riders on the Storm, the Riders on the Storm are the scared, are scared of water, right? Yeah, they don't like running water. Evil things don't like running water. Yeah, like in Hocus Pocus, when they're they think the paved road is a river, so they can't climb it, and they're like, "Wait, this is fine." Mike, take a point <laughs> off your score, please. <laughs> no, Mike gets a point. <laughs> I talked about Hocus Pocus, uh, but then the, like they start, like they, they're like, "Oh no, you know what? They might be coming in the water." And then she uses elf powers to call a tidal wave. And I don't know if this is like how it always looks, or just for this time, but she makes the tidal wave also look like horses. And I like, yeah. I like that style. I like the whole like here, here's a lot the of pe- theme of the day. A lot of people don't know this, but that's actually a Liv Tyler ad lib. Yeah, they didn't plan that. She just well, that's, she's she's. All, I think all the elves are perfect casting because none of them seem human. Like uh-huh. uh, Hugo Weaving has that arrogance of an elf. Got, uh, Liv Tyler and Kate Blanchett have never been hotter than ethereal. They, they that's the only word they can describe. They, Liv Tyler especially just glows. Honestly, wouldn't you elf awareness? If you weren't like honestly, if you're not gonna die, wouldn't you get stabbed so that Liv Tyler could bring you back to hell? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> right? That's that's living, man. I got to ride on a horse with her for a while. Cool. I This is headcanon stuff, but I always like to imagine, Ryan, that that's not something she can do so much as like she could do it that one time, and she just used the ability. Like She kind of looks like a little staggered after that. I've always... Ima- like Tolkien, you only got so much magic 
in in this world. And so I is think it like, that, like Bob lifting up car to say baby? Yeah. Yeah, like, and then she, right after that, she turns to him and she says to Frodo, like, whatever grace I have in me, let it pass on to him. I think that it's like a, the, the the same kind of move, you know, like she's like calling out her like specials. Uh, I know I don't get an award, but I want to call it a special move is uh, when Aragon is fighting the Nazgul when Frodo just gets stabbed. There's one trying to sneak away like Snidely yeah, Flash. This would be the And winner. Aragorn like whips a torch behind yeah, him and gets it. <laughs> like the fucking Fonzie. Like the fucking <laughs> Lord of the Rings Fonzie. He just throws a torch. That is the most action movie thing that this movie could have used so much more of. The only thing that would have made it better is if he was smoking that torch like a cigarette and then like flicked it out onto the bad guy. <laughs> or if he threw it like at one of the pillars and clanged it off it so that he like did a like ricochet shot. Yes. That would be dope. Ricochet's rule. <laughs> All right. <laughs> one Let's ricochet to... point. <laughs> performance, Ryan. What is your performance of the film? Oh wait, is it horse wave or shield throw? Or your oh. thing, Mike? You decide. Horse wave. I thought you gave me three choices. I was like, what is the horse? If the <laughs> horse wave. I mean, we started out the show talking about. Uh, are we doing cringiest right now? Performance is what I said. Oh, sorry. Uh, performance is what we will do. We started out. We we ended the show talking about performances and. Uh, I think that there was a lot of ones that really tried to do Ian McKellen's line walking of like, uh, this is what I do. This is how I hang out. And also I am in the fantasy world as well. I'd like, I really meant what I said when I said that like Ian McKellen has the supporting actor Moody locked down after watching this movie. Yeah. I feel like this one is about as slammy D as it could be because um, he did what I guess, you guys pointed out a lot of the other people didn't do, which is he d- he took maybe like the romantic character, the kind of flat allegorical character. And he said like, what would it be like to be this dude? Like he, this is, you know, he's so interested in these people and why would that be? And I think that like underneath so much of what he says, you see the fear and pain that really Gandalf carries with him everywhere. And yeah. honestly, like that's, what's cool about Gandalf. That's what's interesting about Gandalf is he is afraid of this moment because he knows that, this moment is what he was like made for. And if he fails, he will have failed like his whole reason for existence. And he bears that. Yeah. The whole moment where he's like, uh, I will not use my powers to take the ring from you. I will use my powers to convince you that I would never steal something from you. And now can you give me the ring based on the fact that now, you know that I wasn't trying to steal it from you. You know, like he is, he, he loves the hobbits more than anybody else in the movie, but he also, does have like uh oh, this is fucking bullshit because like the roof is so low and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I scream at them because they're klutzes like this is this is the most three-dimensional performance by far him hitting himself in the head uh in hobbiton not scripted oh yeah <laughs> peter jackson was just like that's awesome we're keeping it <laughs> uh I, I do want to give Liv tyler a shout out not just because she's a real life elf that they found but i do think she also does the high fantasy and makes it human like there's so many times where relationships don't really matter, and the movie doesn't care about her and Strider that much, but it really feels like she does in the little time they get. Yeah. Is that because of this movie uh, or all three best. movies? Because I feel like... I'm just saying this one. I don't rem- I didn't see the third one and do not remember two times. Watching this movie, I feel like that Liv Tyler has a lot to do later, but I wish the this one movie like gave her more to do, you know? For sure, I think because it's pound for pound performance. I, she does not have a lot to do, but I think she uses every minute. And, of yeah, it. I got to give it up to like uh, she comes in and she's like, and Aragorn, Aragorn is like, uh, Frodo's important, and she's like, 
I will do whatever it takes and I will cry right now. Like that. <laughs> that's pretty bro. <laughs> pretty bro. Cringiest cringe that's ever cringed. Uh, for me, it's got to be um, like, you know, these none of these people ever really lived. So like there's nothing that says that like hobbits can't be like, you know, 25 percent black or like there's nothing that says any of these people have to be white. Everybody yeah. is white. And then the second they're like, OK, time to introduce the baddest of all bad guys. It is somebody with like pitch black skin who basically only grunts. And that makes this movie a lot less fun, like watching it, it, it like now and being a little bit older and a little bit more aware of things like this. It's it's not just like it just happens to be that there's all white people in this movie. Like this was a major issue and a major failing. And then the, for the bad guys to like be the only people of color and they expand this over the course of these movies that they, they like double down and triple down on this of like everybody that's a bad guy looks that has the signifiers of some non-white people and they pretty much own that throughout the entire run of the movie and it's just not very cute <laughs> a lot of the orcs not, are not like uh, voiced by white people doing jamaican accents like it's fucking terrible <laughs> not okay uh, guys. <laughs> and when we watch like when we have like the big sweeping thing of like the war going on uh, clearly peter jackson's trying to do this thing where it's like white hats versus black hats but what it is is white skin versus dark skin and yeah. they're attacking each mm. other uh yeah, it's a lot. I I uh, I'm gonna go a little more specific. I'm gonna say uh just the way that hobbits are talked about, like I said in the beginning of the show, is like how black people were talked about in like early cinema. You know, just like fun having. Where's the hammock? Let's get drunk. Let's get lazy. And what that also does is that means that like all right, so Frodo will step up and be a hero. But what that means is that if I get upset. I'm allowed to say whatever I want to them, including Gandalf, yeah. and just treat them like they are lower than me. Yeah, or when Boromir is like, we're fighting. Now I'm tickling you. You can't yeah. do anything about it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like He treats them like toys. And also, if Boromir happened to kick that pail off the ledge and like cause the uprising that happens towards the end, Gandalf would not have reacted like that. He's just used to treating hobbits yeah. in this way. Just like, you fucking drunk, lazy, fun-having idiots. Specifically, those two, and he does it because of like who their families are. Took, he's a yeah. took, yeah, full of a took, yeah. Uh, There's so much uncomfortable race stuff in this, really, and it gonna it, have to. It informed a lot of other uncomfortable race stuff. Like D and D has just now begun to really deal with the fact that they've like had some races that are just naturally dumber than others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long. Uh, but and you're, I do love. D and D players are just like I know tieflings are supposed to be evil, but I'm just like this. Goof. Yeah, right. I've never played in a game actually where anybody was like, "Well, I'm an orc, so that means I'm definitely evil." It's like I'm an orc, but also my character is Pan, and I ran away from home, and I sawed my <laughs> <Yeah>. tusks off. And <laughs> but the hard part is that like I'm an orc, but I grew up with white people, so I'm okay. Like, no, that does not solve the problem. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah no, you're just a different culture. Like, you, that, that's just making it worse. All right, that's gonna have to go to Hobbit treatment. Now, the one that matters, the director's signature moment. Ryan, I want to Mike, like you said in trivia, I want to remind everybody about uh, Peter Jackson's past because now he's just like a oh make King Kong like I'm just a big time director. But before this, he made dirty, gross, low budget horror movies. And so when it comes to his directing, I want to talk about the horror. And I think that 
But although he had that drive of like being a big budget person. And I want to talk about the camera, the drone, the 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 thing flying through the fucking disgusting cave volcano of evil creating basically creating evil, right? Like yeah. This yeah. is what he is all about. Is just like now I have the budget making Christmas, making Christmas, <laughs> like like true elves do. But uh, this is the time where he was like, uh, I guess I can't make this movie as scary as I typically like to, but I'm gonna do it for this one. And you can tell that this was the scene where he laid on his bed. He would read the book when he was a kid, and he laid on his bed and he imagined how horrifying this would be. And he had the budget, he yeah. had the CGI, and then it would end. With that fucking smarmy Saruman and like all of the orcs and just like this is literal evil. This is horror. This is how horror works. Uh, we talked a little bit about how good he is at building suspense, and I think that it's off and on in this movie. But this is the scene where Peter Jackson's like, "Fuck yes, this is PJ, baby." Yeah, the blood curdling screams just throughout the background, the like bubbles popping, which is how they're birthed, just yeah. like the effluvia and so, gore spewing. while the camera is coming down he's just like scream here bubble pop everything gross everything <laughs> happened it's like zits every uh, zits are being popped everywhere it's just like everything that his mind could create he can do but while making like a legit academy award-winning movie based on literature that is his dream <laughs> greg for me um that is such a good one. That's such an awesome fucking scene. Uh, there are real hits and misses. That scene is a great hit for CGI. And then there are misses like the the troll. But I feel like I watched this movie and it's 20 years old. And I look at the CGI and the reason it still looks good to me most for the most part is because he knew how to use it. He knew how what to render in CGI and what not to render in CGI. And the tentacle monster, I can't believe how much you guys hate on this, like mountain squid. That's the coolest fucking idea of all time. But the a squid is a perfect thing to render in CGI because it's so slimy and the surface of it is, is easy for computers to render. And so they get like a pretty good looking squid fight out of this movie. And I would say most of the CGI in it has a a verier, a placier feel than mm-hmm. any CGI that gets made nowadays. It's way more three dimensional than than a lot of the like the the setting CGI. So my I guess my answer is I think he just has a really deft use of CGI, which goes to what you don't try to render. I'll give it in that CGI like, as much as you do. When the C- when the squid comes up, like it does look great. It's just that squids mm-hmm. will inevitably pick somebody up, and when that happens, oh, yeah. it looks like shit. Before that happens, it looks better than like when they're walking through the halls of some clearly CGI location. The squid looks good, but then like, oh yeah, the one part where they're like, oh look, and it's supposed to be like majestic, yeah. and it's just like all these dark pillars, and I, you're like, why didn't you turn a light on? I've why did you waste so much time here? Pillars I have ever seen in my entire life. I've always thought about that shot. They must have like been like, and then we're gonna have a great shot here, and then they just didn't have time to put it together. Because it feels like why is a whole room full of pillars like cool? There were so many times where they were like the sight lines in there suck. They were uh, like kayaking down a river, and nobody said, "Look at this shit." But then the camera would move <laughs> up, and I'd be like, "Look at this shit! How is nobody looking at this shit?" But then everybody, look at this shit. There's other times where they're walking through pillars, and they're like, "Look at this!" And I'm like, "Yes, I have seen pillars before." 
I think they, cool they pillars, bro. thought of that shot maybe as being like the inside of a mountain and you see like glittering like gold everywhere and you see like cool statues and I doubt they thought it was going to be a big empty room full of pillars. It looked like a, like a warehouse or something. It looked like, like the, the bottom floor of the World Trade Center or something. Just like a huge bunch of pillars that hold up something. That's not cool. Foreshadowing to the, the two, two towers. towers yeah. You're right. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to give that one to his his horror background. Uh, and that's also what I wrote down if I could do awards. So that's it. Ryan, do you have the awards ready? I do. So for a uh, special move, it's uh, Arwen's horse wave. Uh, for Gandalfia's moment, it's uh, neither do I. And then just splitting. <laughs> uh, cringiest moment is how they treat hobbits. Uh, director's special move is the camera down the York cave. And then performance of the year, performance pound for pound performance is Ian McKellen. That was a tie. What else are you going to pick? What else are you going to pick? It has to be that. Uh, I don't need to take it to a break. We could just go right into the end, yeah. right? You're the host, you man. Just, You're the host. You guys just want to rip off this bandit to find out who won? Let's do it. Rip it off. But before that, oh. how did it ha- overall... This is the start of our season, 2001. How, how are you feeling about Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, chances? Solid, fun movie. Glad that we watched it. Um, if you could, there's a there's a bag of consolation prizes right over here. This is like nobody. I can tell nobody has anything strongly against this movie. I don't think, but no way is it going to win movie of the year. Like no way. Uh, yeah, I would say no zero ch- chance. But yeah. I would say that like, what a great way to like dive into fantasy genre like this is the blues brothers you know like you get into the blues by listening to the blues brothers uh it's oh it's 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 very thoroughly enjoyable but like we have more important movies before this that did the same thing and we have better made movies after this i don't i i think that i like i really liked it but as greg has been saying all day if you talk to me about it it would seem like i did not yeah, and I just didn't. I I think it's bad. You think this movie's the, bad? It's boring. Wow, I did didn't not love find it. Boring. Uh, you think this movie's boring? This is the yeah. most. See, because this is uh, the reason I say it like that is not because I think you're so wrong. It's because it's the most exciting <laughs> of the of the original three. Like I think that it has like the most action. I think it's almost wall to wall action compared to some of the other ones. Watching this one, I was like, because for years I've been like, why did I never go see Return of the King? Why did I never do that? Watching this one, I go, oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like I know why. Okay. I, I did not feel like that. Well, let me ask you guys this: uh, If we do movie of, when we do movie of the year oh two and oh three, do you think that the Lord of the Rings entries are absolute in in the Elite Eight? Well, Return of the King won the award, right? That's a hard to argue with. I'm sure they're ab- they're both absolutely out. Oh wow! Like. Yeah, I mean, I especially after this, like if it, if it if it had made more of an impact on us and we were all as a group more into it, um, I really don't think we want to talk about the third one. Well, maybe it would be interesting actually because that is the one that won. That won. Right. That's what I. That's so funny that you, you liked this one and I did not. But you're like, nope. And I'm like, probably we will have to. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that you know we said so much about the, all the movies by talking about this one, and I always I kind of felt like when we picked this to talk about it would be like emblematic of kind of all of peter jackson's middle earth moves i don't i mean like they were very important and at a certain point it's not up to us right like we have to we have to move the movies forward if they were like that big of a deal right 
That's and true. And I'm sure yeah. one will go up against something dumb. Yeah, I, it's so hard to tell without seeing what it how like what it Superman returns and we're like, well, we're not going to watch. But it like, okay, so like, <laughs> but there's a good example though. Like this is, I would say that this is not a world changer. Like this is not. I get why it was as popular as it was. It is not. Um, I don't know. It's it's not going to win Moody of the Year 2001. It's light years better than Superman Returns. It's light years better than almost all Marvel movies. Like th- there's still a lot here that is fucking awesome. That's crazy. I disagree hard on that. Cuz I think Marvel movies give you things to care about and I just could never bring myself to care about I, anything going on. I here. don't even think we except would, for Gandalf. We we wouldn't even have the feel of those Marvel movies if it wasn't for Lord of the Rings. I mean like honestly like the the kind of the way he injected humor into the action of this movie yeah. helped I think inform like all of the MCU. I don't think this but guy sure, did I, what uh to movies but like Tolkien did to books, but what I do think he did was he was like, "Hey, Michael Bay, you know, hey Bruckheimer. You suck. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can have big time movies without all of your fucking disgusting, over budget, uh, like masochistic, masculine bullshit. And that is what gave way to the Marvel movies. I buy that. It is time, everybody's actual favorite moment, to find out who won. How, how, how are we feeling? How are we feeling, gentlemen? Oh, I th- it's hard because I got ripped apart. It's hard because we don't hear you judging. But I think you just see my face judging. I think based on the games, I think Ryan, I think Ryan might have taken Fuck, it. So no, we, I think no we way. both think the other person won. Interesting. Well, Ryan will always just think the other person won, so he can mock them. Uh, I do have to say that that Greg, you came out with thirty-one points. Wow, that's a lot of points, Ryan. Which is pretty good. I'm pretty good, Ryan. Oh, I lost. Listen to him. And Ryan, you came out with twenty-eight yeah. points. Greg, Greg, you are my. Legally binding yes! Samwise for the next week. Oh, I really had to win this one, you guys. If I lost, I was going to be like, I don't care because I'm not a competitive person. But <laughs> if I wasn't going to win this one, like <laughs> I was probably not going to win any of them. So I feel good about this. See, I, I think you got to give yourself more credit, just like Samwise needs to give himself more credit. You can you can do more without. I guess in this Lord of the Rings is your Frodo. I've and, always uh, been more of an Arwen, but yeah. Even when Mike is the host, he can only relate to Samwise. that is the show next week we are talking about spirited away hell yeah very excited for that uh you know until then just keep watching those movies